0: So we've heard in the New Testament reading about a man called Philip. And I'm going to say straight away that if you research Philip on the internet, or if you read books, or you've got a commentary on this passage of scripture, you'll find soon enough that there is a huge debate about who Philip was. We all know that he was one of the 12 disciples. And one opinion is that it was this Philip who engaged in conversation with the Ethiopian as he traveled back from Jerusalem. But then there's another opinion that says this was a different Philip altogether, that he was actually one of seven men who were handpicked by the original disciples to take charge of the administration of the new Christian church, and in particular, to distribute gifts to the poor and needy. And then there's a third opinion, that there was and only ever has been still one man named Philip who was both one of the original 12 and also one of the seven. And he was specifically chosen to provide a link between the original disciples and the seven men who were administrating the daily business of the Christian community. So you can see I have done my homework before I have come up here today. Our text involves an encounter between two people with decidedly different spiritual experiences. Philip has arrived at this encounter from Jerusalem. The spirit has prodded him to go out on that strange wilderness road and find the most interesting person to sit with. And traveling in the same direction as Philip is an Ethiopian eunuch. These men are so different. They come from different races, different ethnic groups, and yet God sends Philip to seek out the strange stranger. Who is this stranger? Well, he's Ethiopian, which means he's probably got a darker skin tone as opposed to Philip and the other Jewish early disciples who would have looked more Middle Eastern in appearance. In chapter 3 of the book of Zephaniah, it tells us about the Jews scattering to Ethiopia in exile after the Babylonian conquest of Israel, some 600 years before the time that we've been hearing about this morning. So it's quite likely that this man is both ethnically Ethiopian and also Jewish. And a Jew with a darker skin tone in the first century would have been unusual, although not unheard of. It would have marked him out as a potential outsider on his pilgrimage to Jerusalem, someone who would have drawn attention. In addition to his skin tone, he had further physical characteristics that marked him out as unusual, marginalized. He was a eunuch. There was no possibility of him fathering a child with someone, which was why he was able to be a high ranking official within the court of the Ethiopian queen. The part of the temple where the men worshipped would have been off limits to him. He would have had to stay in the open temple court with the Gentiles and the women. He could not have entered the heart of the temple complex with the other men. So here we have a complex person. He is both man and not man. He is both at the centre of society and on the margins. He is wealthy and powerful but excluded and different. He is devout and seeking God, but in a religious culture that deems him unacceptable to God. So what is this story all about and why is it in the Bible? Probably like many people, I was brought up to see this story as being about evangelism, about how the good news is best shared person to person. Philip was the hero, the Ethiopian was the person he was converting. But maybe there's another way that we can look at this story as well. It seems to be quite a journey they take together, discussing the Bible and what it means, talking about who Jesus was. It reminds me of the road to Emmaus when Jesus himself came and walked with his disciples, explaining the Bible to them. Could Philip and the Ethiopian be learning from each other here? And does Philip learn that the way of Jesus is even more inclusive than he thought? In the story, Philip runs up alongside the chariot. He overhears the Ethiopian reading aloud. I can just imagine Philip, arms waving, after breath from trying to catch up the chariot. Philip flags it down and he asks, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian probably pokes his head out and responds, how can I, unless someone guides me? And with that, he invites Philip to come inside and sit beside him. Sometimes, to fully preach the gospel, we need to sit side by side with people that are very different from us. When Philip got into the chariot, he found the Ethiopian reading from the Servant Song of Isaiah, where the prophet reflects on the suffering of Israel in exile, using language that surely resonated with aspects of the Ethiopian's own experience of the world. He's reading Isaiah 53, which many of you will have recognized this morning because a lot of it features in Handel's Messiah. And I'll have those tunes in my head the rest of the day now. the Ethiopian admits he doesn't understand what he's reading. And for such an influential man, this is a very honest confession, because, of course, reading scripture and understanding scripture are not at all the same thing. And in this instance, God provides not only the scripture text, but also Philip, a spirit-filled, spirit-led teacher who can interpret the meaning for this struggling traveller. I wonder if the Ethiopian saw himself reflected in Isaiah's lament. Did this text speak to him as well as to Israel of old? Philip is able to open the scripture up to him. Yes, this ancient passage spoke first to Israel's suffering in exile in Babylon. And yes, it speaks to the Ethiopian's personal situation. But it also speaks to the story of Jesus in whom God has drawn near to those who are far off, inviting all peoples, regardless of gender, ethnicity, social standing, whatever their circumstances or situation, they are invited to take their place in the house of God. Jesus was himself the victim of injustice, and through Jesus, God enters the lives of all those who are cut off, restoring them to the fullness of life. It's a great shame that what he actually said wasn't recorded for us. But Philip used the prophecies of Isaiah, the descriptions of the suffering servant, and he was able to link them directly to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whatever Philip said, it answered the needs of the Ethiopian on that day. He asks to be baptized. It's not surprising that filled with this new spiritual understanding, he grasps the opportunity when he sees water coming up ahead. It's a natural progression that he should now want to be baptised as a physical sign of his repentance and his belief in Jesus. And this baptism is quite significant because it shows us that, really, there are no obstacles to baptism except the ones that we put in the way ourselves. The Ethiopian's eyes were opened. He confessed his sin and he believed. Baptism was the next natural step. A simple act of repentance, cleansing and blessing. And that simple act of baptism also shows us that the gospel of Jesus Christ is for everyone who will believe. It is for all people, all nations to the ends of the earth. This story isn't a story of careful, long-term pastoral care and support. It's a story of a moment of encounter, transformation, and inclusion. God called Philip to go to the Ethiopian, to tell him that he is absolutely included in the story of God's love, and to baptize him as a symbol and sign of his acceptance and belonging. In the story, we don't get to know what the next step in the Ethiopian's life is, although later traditions claim that he's returned to Ethiopia and founded the Ethiopic church. And we only hear about Philip once more, who crops up again later in chapter 21, where he has four unmarried daughters who had the gift of prophecy. But as we reflect on Philip today, this impulsive, itinerant evangelist, we should ask ourselves... How open, how available, how interested are we in meeting someone so different from ourselves, like Philip did? Churches are often places where you find people who look alike, live alike, talk alike, believe alike, and the result is a sameness. And that's not good soil for the Holy Spirit's seeds of generosity, compassion and righteousness to grow. Where is the Spirit taking you to be guided? Who is the Spirit sending to you for guidance? What strange wilderness road do you need to travel? And most importantly, can we embrace and extend a gospel for all people where all are valued, all are loved, and all are welcomed?